0: There's five motivations behind every choice that we make, right? There's need, want, status, love, and fear. And fear of loss is the greatest motivator of all. I mean, for people who are in sales, they're trained and taught that, you know, fear of loss of the deal is, is the ultimate. So a sale delayed is a sale not made. So that fear of rejection that fear of failure uh, you know, can be with us. And if we allow it to dictate our purpose, then we're always in that struggle. You know, we're always waiting for that other shoe to drop where, you know, what did I not do correctly? What 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 did I miss in this? How come I failed again? And when we are in that place, it's very difficult to see what our purpose is or what our purpose as a you know, as a salesperson
1: or a mother or a father. We've got to have purpose. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Mental Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Lobos. And today we're going to get deep. Not that we don't get deep on most of these episodes. We're just going to get really deep with an author of 22 different books, fiction and nonfiction, from the esoteric and the spiritual world, and then all the other stuff that we do, right? The personal development stuff. So my guest today is Branch Iseul, and in this this conversation, I'm telling you right now, could have gone on for three hours. It was so intriguing to me, being an audience member. Right? I'm just the guy on the mic. I'm also an audience member listening for you as you. And so we're talking into tapping into fears and and like what comes up when you're lost at sea. Branch was talking about a a fiction book that he wrote. And we were getting deep into that and the human psyche, achieving balance in your life, choosing money over purpose or purpose over money, controlling your destinies, exercising your power of choice, the five motivations of people, uh, you know, fulfilling a need in a world that can't be fulfilled inside of you, uh, replaceable versus irreplaceable processing through external needs, fulfillment, consequences, getting spiritually grounded, our purpose as men, connecting with source, esoteric connection. Again, spiritual grounding is going to be present throughout this. And then at the end, Branch goes through these 12 lessons of life that are really freaking cool. I've never heard it put like this. You're going to absolutely want to listen to the end. I did not strategically put it at the end. It's just how it happens. I don't map these things out like that. Um, So I'm going to read you a quick bio on Branch then let's get rocking and rolling. This is is an hour long episode. So um, Branch Isol is a a thought leader, author and speaker. He's written 22 books. He's he's worldwide known for contemporary short stories that they reveal emotions and issues often experienced, but not often voiced. And that's important to know because how many of you right now are sitting there saying, I wish I could explain how I feel to someone. And the other side of it is, I wish someone would listen to me and ask me how I feel because I need to get this out and I feel embarrassed or scared. So we're gonna talk about that stuff today. And and we're really talking about getting yourself out of the wheel, the cycle, the just the, the the rut, and creating something for yourself that isn't run by the external. You start to understand your purpose and your mission for this planet. And it's not as a husband and a father and a provider and a worker and a, you know, this as your identity and that and a follower of God or whatever. It, none of those things. We're talking about pulling all of those back, untying those strings and the hold that it has on you and actually finding you and revealing your authentic you and revealing that purpose and that path that you're meant to be on, that your spirit, your soul is meant to be on. Remember, guys, go to net where you can find all of our cool stuff, our courses, our masterminds, our retreats that are coming up this fall and winter. You can download our free purpose-driven formula ebook and mini course and a ton of other stuff. Make sure if you haven't already, join our Mental Purpose community on Facebook. Got it? Here we go. All right, Branch, 22 books. I got to know, how do you write 22 books? Not the topic of this whole discussion. I just know a guy that writes 22 books has a lot of information. He's got a lot of experiences. He's got a lot of stuff he's been through. So I I was just fascinated by that alone, in addition to the other stuff that I learned about you. And so let's start there. How do you, how do you have that much experience? Where have you, where have you come from and been in your life to be able to write that many books on, on those experiences?
0: Well, first, Ian, thanks for having me on. I've, I've really been looking, for our cool. time, looking forward to our time together. And, uh, yeah, I have had a lot of experiences. Um, real quickly, you know, I, I grew up as a military brat, traveled around a lot in my early years, uh, was blessed to live in different places and, and be around different cultures and different people. So it gave me an interesting experience. Uh, look at life you know with all that travel after high school i went to college in texas Um, after college i went into the corporate world for 15 years in sales and marketing Uh, did great was very successful but as everyone you know on that ladder of success finds out there's only so many hours in the day and When you invest in, you know, certain parts of your life, other parts of your life are sacrificed. So, you know, that's an interesting experience to have. Lots of people have gone through that. And when I got done with my corporate experience, I was unhappy with myself and a little disillusioned with the person I had become. So I I completely went in a different direction. Uh, I got into entrepreneurship early on, many, many years ago, and was founder and and uh, owner of five different small businesses. After that, I decided, you know, I needed to know more about myself and my place in the world. So I went on a journey of, dis- of discovery to try and find truth and, and what that looked like and how it applied to me, you know, as a person, as a family member, as a member of a community. And in that venture, I came across and was involved with a lot of different kinds of uh, spiritual belief systems, religions, did a lot of study. Uh, at 45, I decided to go back to college and uh, get a master's in theology. It wasn't my intent. I just had a desire to, to know more about uh, Christian religion as opposed to some of the other religions that I had been studying and belief systems and those spiritual paths. So I went back to college, got a second degree, and then I decided to write my first book. And that's how it came about. Um, I was moved to write a book about uh, the search for truth, for seekers and searchers and for fallen away Christians. Um, by that time I had realized, you know, lots of people have been on this, this path of struggle between who I am in the world, and who else am I? And so the the degree and and the opportunity to sort of bring together all of my experiences uh, were the foundation of my writing. And and I just started writing. Uh, I wrote a nonfiction book was my first book. Again, about you know how to find a spiritual path, and then. One day I was out, we were living in Hawaii, and I was looking at the big island across the channel there. And I, I thought, how frightening it would be to be lost at sea. And with that trigger, uh, I wrote my first short story. And, and that's what it was about, you know, all the kinds of things that would go through one's mind If you are lost at sea. And so from there, uh, it just started and the the fiction started coming and and I just started writing and I kept writing. And, you know, 25 years later and 22 books later, I've got a whole catalog of different topics and different themes, uh, nonfiction, fiction. And then, uh, lately, the last few years, I've been focused on articles about, um, End times.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I want to talk to you about that. I, there's so many things I want to go back to. The first one that really, well, the the latest one that really piqued my interest is what what were you tapping into when you were looking out at the Big Island and 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 trying to understand what it would be like, what someone's fears would be like. Were you tapping into your own fears of 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 helplessness or of letting go or of you know, just being adrift in the world, which maybe you were as a corporate guy. I mean, it sounds like you were very successful. However, most corporate people that you talk to, money is that measure of success, yet they are kind of just drifting around, lost to their purpose and their mission. And that's one thing that we really focus on in Mental Purpose is understanding why you're here. Regardless of what you believe, whether it's why God put you here, what the universe's intention, what your spirit and soul's journey is, whatever it is, it's, there is a reason. So were you tapping into something that was deep down inside, a big fear of yours to be just a drift out there somewhere? What was the, how did you, how did you get that? How'd you, how did you get that Genesis?
0: That's a great question because, you know, as I was thinking about our time together today, uh, Men on Purpose is such a great title, but it's such an elusive concept for so many people, especially young people, you know, who are just starting out on their career path, uh, just getting into the marketplace, right? Uh, we're excited. We want to succeed. We want to do the best we can do. We want to be a great employee or a great team member. And yet our focus is not always on you know, what's the po- the purpose here? What's the goal that I'm trying to achieve as part of this team or, or on my path? And at that point in my life, you know, I was midlife at that point. And I'm sure that some of my experiences tied right into that thought. My initial, con- my initial thought was, you know, if you are lost at sea without – uh, a chance of being rescued, or little chance of being rescued, you know, what kinds of things would go through your mind? And of course, you start to reflect, right, on on all the things that you've experienced, or the big things that you've yeah. experienced, the successes, the failures, you know, uh, what you thought you did that helped, uh, what harm you might have committed, or encroached on someone it's just a it's a whole because you've got nothing but time it, it's just you and the water and however long you last every minute you know is an opportunity yeah. to reflect and and think about What's where been- i'm at now and and what brought me here so it's it, it can be very frightening when you start to think well this is the end and what have i done you know what what good have i done what not so good have I created and and that's where it came from and I'm sure I I dug down and you know remembered a lot of things that I was uh you know some of I'm I was proud of some of them I was ashamed of so
1: what's up guys I'm so sorry to interrupt the episode I just need one minute to share with you all the new and exciting amazing stuff we've got created here at mental purpose first of all thank you for listening to the podcast and supporting the movement we're creating for all the men in the world Next, you've got to check out our new website, menonpurpose.net, where you'll find all kinds of cool stuff, including links to our podcast and the free Men On Purpose community. You're also going to find our new free purpose-driven formula mini course and ebook and links to all of our new coaching programs and products. Look, I've had so many of you ask me where to get started with your personal growth journey or where you can go to level up. So I put this thing together, this free ebook and mini course, and we're going to be talking about and coaching you through a really light version of our purpose-driven formula, which is our foundational formula. And for those of you who are ready now, we got you. Listen up, whether it's becoming the best husband, being the best dad, quitting that job that doesn't serve you. just understanding how to put you first we've got what you need to align with your authentic self and find that true fulfillment and live a life with no regrets look we're helping men with structure support and sustainability that's what you've asked for and that's what we deliver as we lead you through proven and tested curriculum that focuses on formulas to help you get farther faster so make sure you go to menonpurpose.net click the button to download our free powerful purpose-driven formula mini course and ebook and while you're there, make sure you check out some of our amazing products designed to help you find your purpose, stop self-sabotage, and dial in your mindset, skills, and habits to evolve into the best version of you. Why? Because we want you to live and have the best life possible. No regrets. So mentalpurpose.net, let's get back to the episode. Sure. Do you think that's the scariest part being lost at sea? I think it's a, a great analogy for so much. You're, you're, you are adrift in a medium that you don't understand as much as the land with gravity and, and only so many angles that something can come at you, right? Because on, on land, there's no up or, you know, whatever you would call that. There's no up towards you. we where in the water, there's your are 360, vulnerable, isolated. And it's interesting because do you think that the, that the biggest fear is, is the potential of dying? Or do you think that, like from from your experience in this book, obviously you've never been lost at sea. Um, or do you think it's a, an understanding of a life wasted and the regret piling up of all the things that could have or should have yet weren't? I think a lot of people deal with that, by the way, and they don't have to be lost at sea. They're lost in their living room, drinking beers for four years straight after work, complaining about their life that they have, yet not pushing hard enough to actually make a change in that path. And they are lost at sea. They are thinking about and starting to be resistant to or get into resistance with the regrets and the resentment that they feel from the choices that they've made or the choices that they haven't made, which has given them result. So I think it's very interesting. Is lost at sea the, the fear of death or is it the fear of not living?
0: Well, here again, what's the purpose, right? So you're lost at sea or you're adrift, you're lost in your living room. Um, There's five motivations behind every choice that we make, right? There's need, want, status, love, and fear. And fear of loss is the greatest motivator of all. I mean, for people who are in sales, they're trained and taught that, you know, fear of loss of the deal, is is the ultimate. So a sale delayed is a sale not made. So that fear of rejection, that fear of failure, uh, you know, can be with us. And if we allow it to dictate our purpose, then we're always in that struggle. You know, we're always waiting for that other shoe to drop where you know, what did I not do correctly? What 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 did I miss in this? How come I've failed again? And when yeah. we are in yeah. that place, it's very difficult to see what our purpose is or what our purpose as a, you know, as a salesperson or a mother or a father, we've got to have purpose. You know, that's that's the key to having balance is having a purpose. And when we don't have that purpose, then yeah, being my first instinct at at that thought of the story was how frightening it would be in terms of loss of life. You are not going to survive this. Okay, when you come to grips with that fact, you know, and you're still there and you've got all this time, what else do you think about? You know, what processes, what analysis do you go through in your mind? If life is just going to end at some point and you finally accept that, Okay, now what do I think about? So you think about what is my purpose? What was my purpose? And how how much of that purpose did I succeed in accomplishing? And it's just, you know, it's all in our minds. Everything, it, one of the great things about living and one of the great things about our brain is that we can change thoughts, you know, instantly. Uh I, I do exercises with my clients. You know, I ask them to think about when they graduated from high school and they mentally can see that. And then I ask them what their pet's name is and they, they can go to that place, you know. Uh, who did you come in contact with first thing today? And every time you ask a question like that, their thought changes to that specific idea or that purpose. And that's how quickly our thoughts can change. So we can redirect our our behavior by redirecting our thoughts. Uh, the other thing that's so great about our brain is we can only focus on one thought at a time. Now, sure, I can be driving in my car and listening to the radio and also thinking about something else. So I'm multitasking. But the reality is my, my thought process is only on one specific thought at a time. And with that in mind, then, if that's true, and we know that it is, then we can change our thoughts at any time. So I can change my direction and my focus just by realigning my thoughts. So once we've overcome that fear, whatever that fear may be, death, rejection, loss of the sale, you know, divorce, family issues, whatever that fear is, we can then focus on the purpose. And once we can focus on the purpose, we can readjust our thoughts and then readjust our actions, which will readjust our habits. And once we've readjusted our habits, we can readjust our character. And once we discover, you know, who we are and what our character is, we can control our destiny. And so, these processes that we go through, when we're focused and we stay on task, we can accomplish great things, whether that's in our family situation, in our work situation, in our personal situation. But as long as we don't have that purpose, you know, we don't have a direction. And and when we are directionless, we're left adrift.
1: Yeah. Do you think that's why people choose money over purpose? Chasing money, chasing success, that more ego, external driven motivation. Do you think they chase money over purpose because it's scary to try and figure out what your purpose is or because it's more fluffy and and and, and pleasure driven to chase money?
0: Well, we, we live in a world that's, fundamentally motivated by money so yeah. and we grow up you know in economies where the idea the the ideal is to you know get a job get a career become the the number one person in your field and reap all of the rewards and benefit that that brings through wealth um you know when we're in our early stages, teens, 20s, 30s, um, our focus is basically on economic survival and how do I get ahead in my my field of endeavor, my industry. Uh, it's only when we start to mature and that can come in many forms, but it's when we start to grow as a person that we realize, you know, I need balance in my life. I need to make a living. That's true. But I need relationships in my life and I need a purpose in my life. If I'm going to have a family, you know, once we hit adulthood, we start wearing a lot of different hats, right? I'm father, I'm husband, I'm a member of my community, I'm a member of my work team, but we start to wear a lot of different hats. And the four corners... Of our relationship, even as young children, but certainly as adults, are love, approval, agenda, and spiritual grounding. Because everyone needs approval. You know, we, we grow up and we want love from our parents, then we want love from our peers, then we want love from you know our adult relationships. Uh that approval, what did you say those were mean, again those four things love approval No what what was what was it called Oh the four relationship corners cornerstones
1: got it got it
0: Yeah so so we're you know life is about all about relationships right and it's a journey of relationships when we're in healthy relationships uh that encourages growth and balance, and growth happens when we when we learn new responses to replace old pattern behaviors. You know, as we grow, we sort of get in this mindset or this uh, response mode of when something happens, I respond in a certain way, or my, my response is always the same sort of. Uh, action. When that happens, and we only respond in our old pattern behavior, we don't grow, we don't grow as people, we don't grow as individuals. We try and achieve balance, which is the stability between our mind, our body, our soul and our spirit, the person we are in reality in, in this physical world. And as we try to stabilize, you know, our mind, body, spirit, and soul in, in our relationships, we react. So in our relationships, we're always looking for love. We're always looking for approval. We always have an agenda. You know, what is I, I'm trying to get out of this particular relationship? And then we all have a spiritual grounding and you can think of the spiritual grounding as the easel upon which our life story picture is placed. And for people who don't have you know, adequate or good spiritual grounding, then their focus is on how do I get ahead in the world? How do I make more money? How do I get more stuff? Right? Because we are in the world and we are of the world. <clears throat> and because the world is fundamentally wealth-driven or power-driven, We get caught up in that cycle. We get caught up in that that wheel of, you know, how do I get ahead? How do I become more successful? And as long as we're on that treadmill and we don't realize something's missing, which is the spiritual aspect of who we are, we have a soul and we have a spirit. So it's part of who we are. But if we're not feeding it, if the pilot light is lit, but there's no fuel coming to it, then our focus is world-driven. And we always wonder what's missing, why I got the new car two years ago and now I want another one. You know, why I live in the house that I live in, but I want a bigger house. So we're always trying to fulfill a need that the world really can't fill. It can give us the things that we believe will fill that need. But when we don't have that spiritual grounding, that little piece that's missing from our balance puts us out of balance. And, you know, when it's of the world, then it's all about me. And when it's all about me, I'm missing all the valuable parts of my relationships.
1: It's interesting because I used to sit in my real estate office and I was successful by anybody's measure or standard, not the most successful. There were many guys doing much more than I was. However, I used to sit there and I understood this concept. Did you get this when you were in? I mean, maybe not at this capacity. Did you think about this when you were in business yet just not take action? Because that was me. I, I thought about this stuff like I really don't want to go out for drinks tonight with these people. I really honestly don't like these people. I, I, I And it's not that I don't like them. I just don't like that they're that they're on the same path as me and I know it's wrong, yet they don't. They, they're just completely okay with it being an externally driven motivation. Money, drinks, sociability, that kind of thing. And I used to sit there and get annoyed with myself because I'd go, you know that these relationships are not real, right? You know that if you went to another broker, if you went to an, another career, you know these people would never call you again, right? Like, and I would battle myself inside, yet still make this decision to go out in the world, right, and, and get that need fulfilled in the world instead of internally. Did you ever find that when you were in business, or were you just just oblivious to it?
0: Well. I found it when I was there, obviously, because I left that lifestyle and and that, you know, that journey. Um, But when you are there, when you're in that place, now, whether, whatever place that is, you know, you're there as long as it fulfills the needs that you have, and, and the wants and the desires. Now, we may, it may be fulfilling those needs. And like you said, you know, there may be a piece that you recognize that's false or fake or not, it's a fabrication and it's not someplace you wanna be. But, you know, everyone has choices and the choices we make are all filled with consequences. And, you know, growth happens when we make a choice and we have experienced the consequence and we realize it's not in my best interest to choose this again. For the person who, you know, hates to go out with, to drinks with his coworkers, but does it, it's filling a need that he has or she has at that time. You know, everybody is operating sort of at a different level, but at the different level at the same time. Uh, This is the, the, the quality of the lessons of life. You know, there's 12 lessons of life that we all experience. And we experience them at different times and in different manifestations. And they appear different ways and we choose different choices. But the lessons are all the same for us. The problem becomes we're getting those opportunities to go through the lessons uh, at different ways and means, but they're coming at us, you know, one or more at a time, but they're all, it changes from day to day. You know, one day I'm dealing with uh, a situation where how responsible am I? And then the next time I'm dealing with something that, uh, how dependable am I? How reliable am I? How accountable am I? And as we go through our daily life, we're being tested by these lessons over and over again in every situation or with every person or event that we come in contact with. So if I'm going to go out for drinks with my, you know, my team, I've got to deal with, you know, the lessons that come in that scenario. You know, how much am I going to drink? How am I going to respond to the conversation, and this is where all the pressure comes, you know. And sure, I say, well, I really don't want to go, but you know, my career may depend on it. This deal may depend on it. Um, yeah. So we're you always to trying out-cat. to. No, you, well, you, if you're on a team, you better not be the outcast, you know, because you're going to get undermined or you're going to sabotage, you know, it, all those kinds of things. And this is the this is the process of daily living but again for those people who are are in that and they realize you know they're in it and they want to do something about it you've got to look outside of that and where we have to look is our spiritual grounding our spiritual growth is it's what makes us whole you know the the great line in jerry Maguire where she says you complete me Mm -hmm. well that's what it is you know we're in the world, we're of the world, but there's also a piece missing from our world. And that's the spiritual part. It's part of who we are. And if it's not active, if it's inactive, then we keep going through the process and wondering, you know, there's something missing. I know it's missing because I don't want to go out to drinks, you know, but I need yeah. to go. I have to go. I should go. I, I, if I don't go, something may happen so it's that missing piece that people are struggling to find right. and trying to fill it with all of the things of the world and the piece that's missing is this spiritual connect connection this grounding that you have a spirit it's who it's part of who you are in essence but it's not active and, and once you discover You find this when you get into a relationship, into an intimate relationship or family relationship. That's what the piece is that holds all that together. It's that spiritual recognition that, you know, I'm more than who I am, man, worker, you know, husband, provider. Uh, I am also the glue in my relationship. And that glue is the spiritual part.
1: You know, what's interesting is I hear you talk about that. I think what I realized was that like these weren't all my, these are just fellow real estate agents in my brokerage. And it's, it's not that I didn't enjoy them. I had fun with them on the surface and a couple of them I was, you know, somewhat close to. I think what I started to realize, and I talk about this a lot in the mental purpose world is I started to realize that I was replaceable and that that spiritual awakening was starting to come, it was starting to bubble up and it was tapping on me. And I thought to myself, this version of you is replaceable. And if you keep jacking around with this, getting the outside world to fill your inside world and get fulfillment from that, then where else you're going to be replaceable, which almost happened is as a husband. And then guess what? You're not going to be replaced as a dad. You're going to get substituted as a dad. You'll still always be dad. Yet whoever your ex-wife marries and moves into the house that you're going to pay for, by the way, that's going to be dad every day because the court system isn't going to let your kids go to you because you're a little crazier than your wife. you know. And so you're replaceable there. And so there's a domino effect that I was going through at that time fighting between these two worlds of, I want to be loved and liked and accepted and approved of and a part of the crowd. Yet I also want to find out why the hell I'm here on this planet so I'm not wasting time. And that was a giant resistance for me that was years that I went through that until one day there was a knock on the door, which was, hey, I don't think this marriage is working anymore. And I was like, oh, oh okay. Uh, maybe it's time to make some changes here. And, and I want to make some changes and becoming very obsessed with personal development and growing who I am. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, we, we all fear the unknown, right? Whatever that may be. And so when you're describing that process that, that you are experiencing, right? And you, you, you are in that situation with the brokers and the other people in in the office, and you're all of a sudden discovering that you're replaceable, you're discovering that the things that that camaraderie gives you is just not quite enough. And it's pretty hollow. It's pretty hollow. Well, that's it. Then you start to realize I'm chasing all of the things that I thought I wanted, but they're not doing for me what, what I'm really needing. You know, I've got all the material things and all the possessions, but there's something missing. And, and what's missing is balance. And, and what, once we have the balance, then all of a sudden our relationships take on an entirely different, they level up, right? It becomes, I'm a provider, but I also have these other roles of husband or wife or mother or child or, you know, I have different roles that I'm responsible for now. And the material is is one aspect of it so that everybody has what we need and what we want. But, you know, it's interesting women are are more grounded than men just by nature. And that's mm-hmm. why they're, they're mothers is they have that, that mothering nature and nurture that men don't have. And so they recognize issues a lot faster and a lot sooner than a man will. Man will, you know, I'm working and I'm providing and I'm doing all these things. And she's knocking on, you know, tapping on his shoulder going, you know, there, there's more to you bringing home the paycheck. And we don't see it that way. We think as long as we can provide, you know, as men, we are fulfilling our purpose And our number one purpose and our number one goal is to provide for our families. And yet, you know, as that slips away, we don't want to admit that it's slipping away. And we don't want to say, well, why is it slipping away? You know, I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do for my purpose as a man. But what's missing? And what's missing is that balance and that balance, you know, is sparked and becomes part of our lives becomes alive when we understand you know not only am i am i human i'm also spiritual i'm also a spirit in a human body so when we get that balance and when we get that recognition then we go oh okay now i see what was missing now the question becomes what do i do about it you know how do i get spiritually grounded the easiest way to get spiritually grounded is to reconnect and rekindle our intimate relationships with our spouse, with our partner, because that's, you know, when we started dating, that you complete me idea and thought was part of the infatuation of this new love, this new person in our life, right? They completed us. That was sort of the grounding beginning of us as a couple and yet you know as you grow and as you get into the marriage and as you get into building a life together that sort of takes a back seat that's why you know what, what they call it uh, date night you know it's so important you, right. you actively try to rekindle that you complete yeah. me thought and concept but you can't do it unless you know you're spiritually grounded once you get spiritually grounded that comes to life again, it blossoms because you start to see, I need to be more of who I am and who I need to be. I need to be the breadwinner, but I need to be a good father. I need to be a good husband. I need to be a good neighbor. You know, I need to be civil and polite and work with the people I work with and do my best to help everyone succeed. But, you know, my purpose now, my focus Become something greater than that. I have to look outside of myself. And that's what spiritual grounding does. It allows you to look outside of yourself to see your world in a clearer light.
1: So I want to ask you, how does someone get spiritually grounded? I think that's the, the obvious question. I, I just want to I want to point something out to the audience. There, You kept saying like there's something missing. There's something missing. I, I went through that and I talked to a lot of guys who have, aligned with their true calling, true purpose, path, whatever you want to call it. Every morning I literally wake up and go, this can't be it. And my, I would say it out loud. My wife would go again. And I go, this can't be it. This cannot be it. This cannot be what my life is about. This can't be, it can't be that I'm jockeying for a a listing for $300,000 in Baltimore, Maryland. Not there's anything wrong with that. It's just like, this is what I'm supposed to do with my whole life. My, whole purpose on this planet is to be a replaceable real estate agent. And anybody that gets offended by that, you're replaceable as a real estate agent. Get over it. There are some incredible agents that aren't replaceable and they've made themselves irreplaceable. Yet that was scary for me thinking about like my spirit, my soul is crying out, please change course here, dude. And I'm consciously saying this, this can't be it. And for anybody that's listening who says that to themselves, like, is this really all? I mean, is this for real? This is the, the life that I'm supposed to live? Follow that path, right? So how does someone get spiritually grounded?
0: Well, the first thing we do is we have to recognize that we are in our core essence, in our origination We are simply an electrical unit as part of the cosmos, as part of the universe. And if you believe there is a God, regardless of what you call that entity, if you believe there's a higher source, a greater power outside of ourselves, and that power is spirit, And that power, that spirit, is the creator of what's here. Even if it's random and haphazard, it had an origination point. And that happened for a reason. So if you believe there's a God and he is spirit or she is spirit, and that entity created who we are because we are also spirit, because we're part of him, then we innately already have a spiritual connection to that power, to that outside source that's greater than us. So the question becomes, how do I reconnect with that source? Well, depending on what your religious belief is or your spiritual belief or path is, there is an entity that you recognize as God. And the way you reconnect with that is through the master of that spiritual path. Buddha, Muhammad, mm. Christ, Krishna, you know, whoever the, the human master is who taught and shared the secrets or the mysticism of the universe and its creation is the one who the followers of that master look to. And you get involved with, you study, you get bring into your life those teachings that that master shared. And that's how you get spiritually grounded. You You learn about the master and his philosophical teachings about creation and our relationship to creation. And that's where you get spiritually grounded. Um, once you've gotten that sure. spiritual grounding, <clears throat> you then begin to understand the relationship between you and that source outside of you. Hmm.
1: That's a really great explanation. I've never heard it put like that. You know what I always wonder? I went to Catholic school. This is kind of, it's, it's topic, it's off topic, topic. W- why? <laughs> I'm just so curious about these things. So it's the source, then the master, like a Muhammad, a Buddha, Jesus, and then a, uh, and then, you know, the, the, the guys underneath him that basically wrote everything down and documented it. I always wondered, and I got in trouble in, in Catholic school for asking these questions, I, one, why was it only those very select few people that were the channel from the source? One, and I just want your opinion. and two, when these guys are walking through the desert, right. And, and they're low on food and they're dehydrated and it's hot. And they're recounting stories. Do we, do we ever, or, or like when you were in theology, did you ever have that, um, that variable that these guys may have been just like off their rocker or hallucinating or just dead tired and transcribing things? Well, what happened? And, 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 or, or, you know, out of their minds or something or on a plant medicine or whatever it might be. Do you ever account for that? I'm just curious.
0: That's an interesting question. Um, all of those masters had an esoteric connection to the source. Okay. I I can't explain, you know, how or why they were chosen for whatever reason, but, but they were selected to impart fundamental morals and ethics. You see, here's, here's the issue. When we come into this world, we basically know right from wrong. Because as spirit from God, uh, his character, her character and nature is morals and ethics. We live in a world that is grounded in legalities. You know, our legal system, every society's legal system is based on right and wrong, but it's applied as reward and punishment. You know, about mm-hmm. age two, we all start to understand what reward and punishment is and how it connects to what is right and what is wrong. And because we grow up with that concept of right and wrong, reward and punishment, everything we do, all the choices we make and the decisions that we make are fundamentally about, well, what's right in this situation and what's wrong? What's the reward and what's the punishment? And because a person is not spiritually grounded, that's their focus, right and wrong, reward and punishment. When you get spiritually grounded what happens is you f- start to see the truth of the world and when you see the truth of the world then you can see the truth in your own life in your own responses and your own behavior and once you identify truth you start to see the moral and the ethical implications of your choices or your decisions so it's not just well is this you know in my best interest is this right for me what's the reward what's the punishment all of a sudden this choice that I have to make, what are the ramifications, the moral and ethical outcomes for the people who I am you know, involved with in this relationship? So to get back mm-hmm. to your question, all of those masters were selected or chosen for whatever reason to impart to the world moral and ethical judgments and behavior. Um, If you think about the history of man, you know, there wasn't a lot of morality or ethics involved for thousands of years, except in Mm. the Jewish culture and the Jewish religion. That's a whole nother episode. But once once they've been enlightened, as Buddha was, as Muhammad was, as Krishna was, once they've been enlightened to this moral and ethical dilemma of response and action, what they did was they turned around and they taught others. They taught the followers that you just spoke of. Now, they didn't really write anything down, right? All of that was oral teaching. So they taught about morals and ethics to the people who were interested and followed them. When they died, when they passed from this world – somebody had to step in the void and take the reins of power, so to speak. And what we find is they started to write down all of the teachings so that they would have it, you know, recorded. But you also find that the the vacuum that's left by the master leaving, there's certain people who want to take that position of authority. And there's usually more than one. And so there becomes a power struggle between the followers. What you find is many of the followers are not on that same level of understanding and distribution of knowledge. And what they do is is they start to get, well, what's in it for me? If I'm the boss, you know, and we've seen this in evangelical Christianity through the last 50 years, you know, uh, with a lot of different TV evangelists who say one thing and, and behave entirely differently, not just the leaders, but Christians as well. Sure. Um, that's another episode. But once that <laughs> power you know, passes to the followers, well, somebody's going to have to step up. So we get the Pope, right? All of a sudden we have the Pope in the lineage of the Pope. But these are just men, and because they're not grounded in that same original moral and ethical dilemma and solutions, you know, they, the, the power struggle starts to become as much as important as the philosophical or the religious or the spiritual struggle. Sure, and so sure. religions start filled with <clears throat> power-seeking individuals who claim to be doing it for God whoever their God may be and all of a sudden what we see is a manipulation or a massaging of the original thoughts and the original teachings to fit into this power struggle grid and, and yeah. you know you, you get religions now that are saying and teaching and um, prophesizing one mm-hmm. thing and yet even the leaders are not adhering to their own principles and mores. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happened. You have religions now who are not really religions. They're they're, um, entities seeking power and money to keep thriving and keep growing. And they're using God as the excuse or the reason for their behavior. And that's why you have so many people who have fallen away from, uh, you know, religion and church and synagogue and, and mosque and are struggling in their lives because the church or the synagogue or the mosque is telling them one thing and behaving exactly the opposite way. So the people in the pews are going, what the heck's going on here? You know, you're telling me one thing, and then you're lambasting me with God's punishment if I don't do it, and yet you're not doing it. And so yeah, once and I wanna, the vacuum once the vacuum starts, you know, it sucks the life out of the original teachings. Yeah. That's
1: all. So I, I wanna I want to make sure that everybody listening realizes that wasn't just a big tangent. Th- there, was, there was purposefulness with that ask, because it's not just the job and the identity as dad or husband or provider. There's also the religious slash esoteric slash spiritual aspects in there that you're also serving or that are pulling on you too to take a, it's just yeah. another rope that's on you, pulling you away from the, the person that you are designed to be created to be path that you're supposed to be on. It's just another, another way. And so I just want to make sure that people don't think that was just a giant tangent. So, um, last thing here, um, the 12 lessons of life. I really want to get I want to get a a, a, a clear understanding of what those are for the audience because I think this episode's super powerful and people are gonna be writing like crazy. So let's end with that. Let's end with the 12 lessons of life.
0: Okay, great. Yeah, the, the base lesson, the first lesson is insecurity. And this is where we all are. From day one, you know, we take our first breath and we are dependent on someone else for our life. And as we grow, Mm -hmm. you know, that dependency grows and all of our failures become very evident, right? Uh, And all of the reward and punishment that we get as children reinforces all of the negative stuff that we hear growing up. You know, you're too fat, you're too short, you're too stupid, you're too whatever, right? We all come from families of dysfunction at some level. And so our formative years are grounded in this base level of insecurity. Hmm. The key to the lessons is getting out of that base level. As long as the person feels, you know, inadequate in some form or fashion that holds them back, that's where they will stay. They will stay grounded in that insecure, rejected place, and their life will be a
1: living hell. Okay, so let me ask you something real quick. The- real quick. Yeah. I, I just want your like, one-minute answer. Do you think that there is hell on earth inside of people who are living like that?
0: Well if it's not hell it's certainly purgatory because to to That's live I mean. your like life trapped inside you know yeah to live your life afraid to make choices and decisions in your best interest for whatever re, you know whatever self sabotaging emotion or thought you have is a horrible way to live it's like you know somebody who has alzheimers yeah. they're prisoners in their own mind yeah. A terrible way to live and and that's why you get a lot of people who are struggling in life and can't get past this place of insecurity or this place of having been bashed so severely as children that they they end up in all these terrible adult situations of of struggle and suffering um, as long as you carry that baggage with you, it's gonna be there. so the key is to get rid of the baggage. You know, how do you get rid of the baggage? You you look at yourself and you accept yourself for who you are. Yeah, I should be taller. I wish I was taller. I'm not taller. I'm moving on. And so, you know, not no one is perfect. No one has it all. You know, everybody is carrying baggage. Some of it we can see and some of it we can't. So you let the baggage go. You get rid of it. You say, I am who I am. I'm going at the height I am and I'm, I'm going forward. Once you get out of that insecurity level, then you can actually tackle the things of the world, the lessons of life. So let me run through them real quickly. The next one is responsibility. The next one is reliability. The next one is dependability. The next one is accountability. And the next one is credibility. Now, if you notice these, they all have to do with world situations, right? Job situations, uh, family situations. These are all of the fundamentals of who I am in the world, who I am as a father, who I am as a mother, who I am as a team member, who I am as an employee. These are the, the fundamental basic ones that keep us moving through our world and our daily lives. Okay, the next one, number seven is risk. And this is the pivotal one, right? This is the one that challenges you to take what you've learned in the previous six and do something with them, okay? Are Hmm. you a dependable employee? Are you a responsible employee? Are you credible? When you are, all those things in your life then life says, okay, you've got it. You're in life 101 and you understand. Now you have to risk if you're going to go to life 101A, right? So you can either risk it or not. You can stay where you are and be the best employee and the best father and the best husband and the best neighbor and the best community member possible and live your life and enjoy it and, and do your best and be who you are. If you want to risk stepping outside of yourself, then you have to risk. And the next ones are the important ones. These are the female traits. This is why women are so important in our society and in our families. Number one, trust. I should say number eight, trust. Number nine, commitment. Number 10, forgiveness. Number 11, truth. And number 12, love. And when you've accomplished the first six and you say, okay, I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to be the best I can be in my life. Then you're going to deal with uh, situations and people and events that test or challenge your ability to trust, your ability to be committed, to be commitment, your ability to forgive, your ability to come from the truth and your ability to come from your highest loving self. Hmm. And when you deal with these, then you become the best person that you can be. You live the truth. You see the truth. You only accept the truth for you in your life. And you be the, you know, you come from your highest loving self. And when you do that, You won't have any pressure. You won't have any stress. You will enjoy your life every day, and you'll take every test and every challenge and know that it's just an opportunity for you to be a truthful and loving person. All of those other things in the world, you'll see them for what they are, and, and you won't be confined or imprisoned
1: or enticed by them. That's pretty amazing. I really, I've, I've never heard it put like that. I've never, yeah, I've never heard it put like that. It's um, well, well, look, I, I there's a lot that I have to take in here. I, 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 I love learning on these episodes and um, and I like learning along with the audience as I kind of am a part of the interview. So I really want to uh, give gratitude and appreciation for you being here and and teaching us all this great stuff today. I really like the way you package it up. That's how I put my exercises and, and curriculum together is we package it up in these little formulas so that there is no feeling and emotion. It's quantifiable. Were you credible or not credible? Were you accountable to what you said or not accountable? Very easy. You don't feel your way through that. It's one or the other. So it's this is this is great, Branch. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, my pleasure, and I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. And audience, uh, check out the show notes for all of Branch's information. All of Branch's 22 books will be there'll be links to them on there. And, um, and we really appreciate you listening. And before we go, I want to I remind you of something. And I'm going to remind you of this every time going forward. I want you to be on purpose and become irreplaceable. And that's what we talked about today. Being replaceable is not a place to live in. You are not building a legacy. You are not doing anything to move the needle on this planet. Become irreplaceable. If you need help with that, you now know where to go. If you think that you are irreplaceable, let's give you a test. So check out the website, mentalpurpose.net, and we'll catch you on the next one.